Sell art. Dr. Jones. Again, we see there is nothing you can possess which I cannot take away. And you thought I'd given up. Too bad the Jovitos don't know you the way I do, Belloc. Yes, too bad. You could warn them. If only you spoke Jovitos. Hokana Matuso! Nobata! Students at Marshall College, welcome to episode number 255 of Blast Points is Jason. And this is Gabe. We're back with Indie Year, month two of Indie Year. We've got a treat, got a real treat for you this month. We recently had the opportunity to talk to Mr. Tom Vagley, who not only worked on the Star Wars radio dramas for A New Hope, Empire, and Jedi. He created in 1981, along with some help from Ben Burt, one of my favorite Raiders things that exist, the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie on record. If you've never heard of this, that's okay, because 
it only came out in 1981. It's never been out on CD, which is a, a shame because it's so wild, so cool. The entire movie of Raiders of the Lost Ark condensed to an hour on album with no narration, just sound clips, sound effects, and music. It's as crazy as it sounds. <laughs> some of it uses different takes. There's some new Foley work added in to, to kind of convey what's going on in Rears of the Stark. Because, yeah, as we're going to get into when we talk to Tom here, Raiders is a very visual movie. And the, the whole concept of taking that movie and making it a purely audio experience, you know, we had to talk to Tom about this because it's just this fascinating little piece of yeah rares the lost ark insanity that it, i'm so happy it exists out there <laughs> it belongs in a museum and you're gonna hear tom is just the best i feel like we could do a whole other podcast we could just talk to him about the the radio dramas we could just talk to him about him interviewing young classical musicians and stuff. He's a really interesting guy. But I don't know, enough of us talking about what you're gonna hear. Let's actually listen to it. Let's let's listen to the time we got to talk to Mr. Tom Bagley about this Raiders record. So but let's start at the the very very beginning. Uh, how did you how did you first get involved in in audio audio production? Was it something you were into at a very young age? Where did it where did it all begin? Well, my father was a musician and uh, also wrote a lot of commercial music, um, like back in the days where jingles were the were an art form in in uh, advertising. And he would, we, I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin. He was a professor at the University of Wisconsin, but he would drive or take the train to Chicago to do his recording at a, at that point, very famous, beautiful, big old studio, which is no longer there called Universal Recording. And I loved it. I would go with him sometimes, not every time. And uh, I just fell in love with music recording, doing that. So I, that's kind of where it all began. I then got involved at uh, doing a radio drama, uh, public radio series, if you can believe it, um, long since dead, called Earplay. I was always an overgrown engineer. I always liked the engineering part of it. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've been more of a writer producer, writer than an engineer, but I still do my own engineering on uh, a weekly series I produce called From the Top, which is on public radio featuring um, teenage musicians, teenage and younger musicians. Yeah, I don't know if that tells you enough of how I got in, but it was basically through my dad that I got really interested in audio. Were you listening to any like uh, radio dramas or audio dramas or anything um, as, as a kid? No, I mean, they would have, radio drama was pretty much dead by that time. Uh, in terms of, there was still probably, there was still probably vestiges of it. But um, yeah, I know it was dead in my youth and certainly dead in my teen and early 20s when, when 
with a professor at the University of Wisconsin, a good friend of my dad's actually, named Carl Schmitz, wanted to start this radio drama project. But it was not what people think of as radio drama, as old-time radio drama. These were very, very, they weren't all serious, but very seriously written plays uh, for radio and commissioned works from Archibald MacLeish, an old, old name, uh, David Mamet wrote for the series. Um, Arthur Coppett wrote for the series. As a matter of fact, the play he wrote called Wings went on to Broadway and won a, won a uh, Tony. Uh, I was lucky enough to be the sound designer for that production. So I, I didn't listen to radio drama until Carl started this project and then brought me on board as kind of uh, I became the head of the project. And actually, that's that's germane because that's where I met John Madden, the now famous film director who directed all the Star Wars radio adaptations because he had started at BBC Radio as a script editor and then had come to uh, this country um, on loan from the BBC to our project, Earplay. So he was the natural guy when... After Earplay was dead and we were doing these radio drama versions of Star Wars, John wonderfully agreed to direct them, and uh, the rest is history. So I'm st- he's still my best friend. I can I can say that. So we're we're huge fans of the the Star Wars uh, radio dramas, and just we we we've done episodes on them in the past. What just what was it like? Just being there in the room working on those because yeah we still they they hold up so incredibly well today they're just i don't know, we we just think they're wonderful well thank you i mean they they hold up well because we know the story and we love the story and the story is uh so compelling so the, actually the reason i brought that up is that that's how i you know learned to work at lucasfilm um, because during doing those radio dramas, I would go to uh, what was called then called Sprocket Systems, which was Lucasfilm's audio department, and I would copy all the sound effects I needed. And then I remember the first time I did it, I was taking back really a suitcase full of reel-to-reel tapes. This is back in the days of reel-to-reel. The second series actually was produced on digital tape, digital audio tape. But the first series was all analog. And I loaded this suitcase full of sound effects. And I could and I was right in another room. Ben Burt was in the studio, you know, around the corner, you know, showing me this gets to what you guys showing me the toilet that he used for the opening of the arc in the radio. <laughs> you, know, you know, very slowed down toilet toilet cover coming off. So, but Ben, I could tell Ben was a little nervous. I mean, these sound effects were of course precious to him and, you know, management had made this idiotic deal where this bozo from Minnesota could take <laughs> sound effects. And I remember going in and said, Ben, I promise you these will never leave. First of all, they're flying with me. I actually bought a seat for the suitcase, which you'll see like cellists do, right? They buy a ticket for Mr. It's called what was called Mr. Cello. So I had a ticket for Mr. Suitcase. And uh, so it, it, they never left my side. And uh, I think from that point, Ben was a little more comfortable with it. 
losing all the sound effects. Of course, he did it in that, and he did it after Star Wars. He did it with Raiders of the Lost Ark. I took all those effects too away. So uh, yeah. So since you brought up the Raiders record, what, where did the idea of the Raiders movie on record come from? Like, kind of, what was the, <laughs> what was the logic behind that, and how did you get involved? Well. I think it start. Frankly, it started with the Star Wars episodes. In that, I think they were they were very happy. Meaning Lucasfilm, and um, I think they were very happy with those. And I I have a feeling that it started with Ben Burt. Um, that Ben or another person I, I worked with a little bit, Sally Gordon, who's credited with doing the script adaptation. And I always wondered what that meant because I never saw a script. I only saw uh, Ben sent, Ben did a mock-up and that was the script. I was sent the mock-up and then I worked from there, um, you know, replicating some of the things he did and then adding some additional things, but mostly r- repeating in high, you know, and with great care, kind of what he had done. Um, so I think Star Wars, they were so somebody, and I, I think Ben was, but others um, were happy enough with us. You know, I don't think they thought they would turn out so well. So they, then their next, you know, successful project was Raiders. And I think they wanted to do uh, an audio version of Raiders, but without a narrator and without re-recording dialogue, which of course the Star Wars episodes are very much adapted uh, by Brian Daly, you know, and cast with some members of the original cast and some people are not, obviously. And um, there was a guy named Rick Tuscan who was in the USC drama department as a teacher. And he originally had the idea to do the radio drama versions and um, the idea was taken to George Lucas, who he had grown up on some old on radio drama. Uh, I'm not saying it was his favorite thing, but he certainly had been exposed to radio drama and appreciated the form. So he went along with it and gave the rights to actually to KUSC, which was the national public radio s- station in L.A., but <clears throat> obviously... Uh, to National Public Radio by virtue of that to allow these adaptations for a dollar. He was paid a dollar as far as I know. You know, so those contracts are always written for good and other valuable consideration, which is a dollar. So anyway, uh, and I never, yeah. So that's how it happened. And I think that's where the idea came from. And I think the fact that George Lucas was predisposed to like the form of radio drama uh, meant it was possible to do it. Okay, big wedge, let's close it up. We're going down that trench full throttle. Right with you, boss. Look at this speed, will you be able to pull out in time after you fire? It'll be just like Beggar's Canyon back home, Biggs. Okay, we'll stay back and cover for you. It's up to you two to scream me from those fighters. My sculpture is a tower, but I can't see the exhaust port. Are you sure the computer can hit it? It'll hit it, Wedge. Please hit it. Gotcha. Watch yourselves. Increase speed, full throttle. We're right behind you. R2, that stabilizer's broken loose again. See if you can't lock it down. So starting the Raiders one, you said you had kind of a rough version that uh, 
Ben Burt put together. Were you given access to like all the individual clips of, you know, dialogue and sound effects or were you getting, did you get like a rough mix of, of each thing? Like kind of, how did you end up piecing that together to do the higher quality version? I was given access to everything, which is nice. So I went back really in dialogue. I went through all of the dialogue that was left, some of it from, you know, the original soundstage recording, trying to make sure I had every bit of dialogue. Because as you, as you know from having heard it, there's very little real dialogue in the production. It's, you know, that it's, I just remember mostly as the Germans yelling, Schnell, Schnell! <laughs> Faster, faster. It's not a dialogue-heavy film, and therefore, you know, there wasn't that much dialogue. Uh, so uh, that's where the idea came from, whether it was Ben or Sally's or someone else's, to make an impression of what the film was in audio terms, using everything you, you could, but, you know, basically to not try to tell every detail of the story because you didn't have any way to do that unless you recorded narration. And I think because they liked Star Wars so much, they didn't want narration. So the original album had a booklet with it that told the story and had lots of photos from the film. So um, you could fo- kind of follow along with the booklet while you listened to this sort of audio recreation impression uh, of the film. But to go back to answer your question, yes, I had, I went through all the dialogue that I could find. Uh, again, I had a complete access to Ben's sound effects and I went through, they also, this is true of Star Wars too. They gave me access to the original mixes from London of the music. So was there, if there was anything extra in the case of Star Wars, we hit some episodes where I really needed more transitional material. And so we did record some extra music for the radio dramas of Star Wars, just a few cues, but uh, I was given access to pretty much everything. So was the idea always to get, you know, Raiders is almost a two hour movie it down to fit on one LP. Like was Ben Burt's original kind of rough draft already condensed down or was part of your job getting this two hour movie to fit on one LP? No, it was certainly condensed down, but I don't remember how much. I don't know whether it was, you know, finally down to, I mean, this was the day of 20-minute sides. You could um, expand that up to possibly 30 minutes per side. You know, that wasn't advisable in a production that had so many loud moments because those loud moments take a lot of space on a record. So... No, it, it must have come to me in a highly condensed form, but I don't really remember. I mean, I don't remember having to make huge editorial cuts in the production. It, it's so fascinating listening to it because Raiders by itself is already such a tight, tight, tight movie. It's got you know almost no fat on it whatsoever. And then when you listen to your record... I, I think of in particular, like right after uh, Indy gets back from the 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 adventure with the beginning and the boulder right after that he's in the meeting with the the folks from the government where they tell him about the ark and all this stuff and you take take that whole classroom part out which when you're listening to it you're just like oh yeah okay i guess we don't need that <laughs> for the story it's just it's it's an even leaner cut of rares of the lost ark which is just fascinating 
Yeah, it is. I've never really compared the two. You you probably know more about that because you know, I obviously saw the film a couple times and but I don't I didn't go through it in microscopic microscopic detail. I just got to work on this radio production without worrying, you know, without comparing it to what had happened in the film. I compared more in the Star Wars stuff. I did compare stuff. I had the Star Wars uh, soundtrack. Uh, I don't mean music. I mean the whole produ- the whole audio next to me most of the time. So I could, if I was working on a scene, I could go back and remind myself of uh, what the film had had had. And the, partial that's in the case where the first Star Wars production, which was thirteen half hour episodes, so that's six and a half hours. Am I doing the math right? Yeah, that's six and a half hours. Of course, the film wasn't anywhere near that long. So it was the opposite thing in Star Wars where the story was expanded quite a bit until we get, we finally, the last episodes of the Star Wars stuff, The Return of the Jedi, was not done for radio particularly. It was done, at that point, audio publishing was a big deal. And when Star Wars was done, Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, we didn't even think about audio publishing. But then audio publishing started, and the audio publisher wanted to finish the story with the third film, finish the story at that point with the third film. Those we did in the in kind of a much more in a, in much more limited adaptation uh, of I think just six episodes for the last film, so thirteen for the first. I think 10 for the second and then six for the third, which was kind of just to finish the story. Uh, uh, wait. Uh, I'll tell you everything. Uh, yes. I know you will. Let her go. She'll ten. She'll send both. on the Raiders record how long after was it was the film still in like post-production or was it still in production because the the Star Wars radio drama if I've got my dates right was released March of 81 which was just what like three months or something before Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in theaters so what what was the the timeline in all that Oh, you're gonna you're gonna know more about that than I do, frankly. I I I do remember uh, I was in the middle of Empire. Is this possible? Is my memory maybe faulty? I got a call from Lucasfilm, and they invited me. I think because they liked Star Wars so much, and they at that point they were just opening their own uh, mixing soundstage. 
Uh, it was in San Rafael. This was just before the ranch. Um, and they had their own mixing and they wanted to mix the final film at that point in their own, in their own mixing theater. And they invited me to come and be the dialogue mixer. And to this day, I wonder, you know, I was, I was afraid to do it because hell, I'd never mixed a film before. <laughs> uh, and it's, it was, you know, it's a, it was a very different technology there. It was still sprockets, you know, but I think mostly I was in the middle of, um, I was in the middle of doing the radio dramas. So, uh, which would, so I, I kind of, I kind of put it on that, that I couldn't leave. I was already committed to do the radio dramas, so I couldn't leave that. But I, to this day, I wonder shit, excuse me, excuse my friend. <laughs> To this day, I wonder, heck, how could I have, how could I have turned that down? But I'd be in a very different business, and I wouldn't have my children, and you know. So, I go. so a question I have, because you mentioned with Raiders, you know, having access really to everything. Did you end up using alternate takes of dialogue? And you know, since you said you weren't really tied to the actual film, like, what was your criteria when you were picking? You know, what clips to use like were you looking for the fastest version of the lines to get it down or you know kind of what was your thought process on that no um and i think some of some of those choices had already been made by ben uh but no the the main a lot of the dialogue cuts were in that draft i made additional ones i added oh i added very little to the dialogue from the film even though i i sort of went through all of the dialogue recordings, you know, everything from the set that I could find. But um, I don't remember adding a lot. There were, there were some grunts and, and groans and because in audio, you need, uh, you need a grunt to go along with the action. So it reads, you know, we did that very successfully in the star Wars productions was John directed, you know, the, he would get the actors to add effort to their lines if they were doing something, um, which makes it read at that point. Why, Dr. Jones, whatever are you doing in such a nasty place? Why don't you come on down and look? I'll show you. It's fantastic. No, thank you, my friend. I think we are all very comfortable up here. So, once more, Jones. What was briefly yours is now mine. What a fitting end to your life's pursuits. You're about to become a permanent addition to this archaeological find. In a thousand years, who knows? Even you may be worth something. I'm afraid we must be going now, Dr. Jones. Our prize is awaited in Berlin. But I do not wish to leave you down in that awful place all alone. like we were saying it's it's such a a visual film and it's not at mostly dialogue not mostly dialogue heavy at all 
translating i think of things in in the record like uh the the truck chase or at the end with opening the arc where if you go back and listen to the record now it's just a sound explosion <laughs> what, mm-hmm. going back if to the best what you can remember what were some of the the visual moments that were more of a challenge to translate into a strictly audio format well audio works best in the most intimate scenes um, I can give you examples of what I mean by that. And it's least effective in action sequences. Um, so it works well in the opening of the arc, not so well in the truck chase. The truck chase is just kind of, cause you don't necessarily know what happened. I remember when Ben came to hear the first mix of it, he came to St. Paul to the studio I was working with and he wanted some additional sound effects added to the truck chase um, to keep it, you know, more lively. I mean, the best scene, one of the best scenes in the Star Wars stuff, I keep going back to that, maybe I m- remember it better, but um, is the scene where uh, Luke has gotten, this is on the planet Hoth, Luke has gotten uh, lost or trapped out in the storm, and Han takes, drives a Tauntaun out to try to find him. And uh, he finds Luke, and you remember he he famously you know uses his lightsaber to open up the belly of the Tauntaun to sh- shove Luke in there to warm up, and then he builds some sort of bivouac tent, obviously some futuristic, uh, you know, it's a space tent. Yeah, yes, and he spent in the radio productions he spends a night in that tent with Luke. Um, and they start talking. He saved Luke's life, and they start talking. That's a very intimate scene. It was actually recorded in a in a tent in the studio just to make it as realistic for the actors as possible. And that scene works really, really well. It is really nothing but the two actors and wind in the outside and the outside of the tent. So that works incredibly well in radio terms. The, the battle scenes are very problematic because you have to tell the listener in, in audio where the microphone is. You have to tell the listener where, what the perspective is. And you can move the mic in. in you can change scenes, uh, of course. You can cut to a new scene if the, if the audio background is different enough that the listener catches that that's a cut. Or you have to move the mic by telling the listener that you're moving the mic. Uh, here, walk with me, you know, footsteps. Um, but you have to give clues as to where the mic is. Whereas in film, you can cut to a new scene. You're seeing the whole thing. It's obviously that you're in a soon new scene. And so in a battle sequence, you can cut constantly, excitedly between, you know, the X-Wing and the other X-Wing and, and the control center and explosions and whatever. You're completely free to do that. But in audio... You can't make those cuts. Uh, you have to; they have to make sense, uh, and they have to be explained in some way. So those were harder. Um, and I don't remember in Raiders. I certainly remember the truck uh, chase, um, and I remember Ben wanting some additional sound effects added to that.
opening of the arc is very successful because you can totally picture it in your mind's eye and it's not all action um it's got a lot of suspense in it too you know a scene in the radio versions of of uh Star Wars that's incredibly successful, mostly thanks to Ben's incredible sound effects, is where Luke Yoda, you know, remember he goes to, to raise the X-Wing out of the swamp and he fails and Yoda's there, you know, consoling him and advising him and use the Force Luke and all of that. Um, and when that X-Wing comes out of the water with the music is spectacular there, it's just, it gives, still, if I listen to it now, it would give me goosebumps still. It's so good. It's so good in audio-only terms. Um, but it's not a battle scene. You're in one perspective. You know where you are. You're on the bank with Luke of the Swamp. So Something I was thinking when I, I just listened to the, the Raiders record again, and this, especially with the opening of the arc, I, I, I don't know. You, of course, you would know better, but I feel like some of, some of the sound effects are, are louder than they are in the film, and it's almost scarier hmm. Even though, you know, like I think Gabe and I have seen Rares of the Lost Ark 5,000 times or something like that. But just hearing the audio and the screams and the ghostly sound effects, Mm -hmm. you know, like I say, even though we've seen it so many times, naturally your mind just starts to create your own images with just hearing just this incredible audio mix. It's, It's really incredible. Well, of course, that was the concept. The concept was, you know using your mind's imagination to fill in the visuals. And that can be, you know, as powerful as being very explicit about what the visuals are in a film or a television production. So I'm glad that worked worked for you because that was, that was the whole idea um, was to have the audio only, you know, either excites your memories of the film or give you new, uh, a new perspective on the film or be scarier than the film because it's all in your head, you know. of this were you working on this before the film had come out or was this something that you started after the film had come out no very much after not very much but um after the film yeah because i wasn't sure if there was if it was one of those things where you were working with an earlier cut or something and things had to be changed because the movie itself had changed after you finished your work no that that wasn't the case it was it was the film had come out been very well received 
And then again, I, it's, it's not clear to me where the, you know, the origin of the idea came from, but Sally Gordon, Ben Burt, Tom Vagley, I don't know. <laughs> you know, they called me with the idea. And of course I wasn't going to say, no, I'm not really interested in that. You know, <laughs> are you guys crazy? And it was kind of a crazy idea. It was just how powerful the, the whole world of Star Wars was at that point that I think it was a, was it a Columbia record, CBS Columbia or something? It was something like that. Um, I'm, I don't have it in front of me, uh, the album cover, but uh, that, that whole idea that, that, that a major record label went along with, you know, I don't think it sold well. I'm, I'm sure I have no idea how well it sold, but I can't believe it sold very well. But it didn't cost that much money. It was really paying me. You know, Ben was on staff. Sally was on staff, I think. And uh, they just, you know, went to this guy in St. Paul, Minnesota, and they paid me to, to do what I did. Do you remember the time frame you had from start to finish on the record? Not precisely. Um, probably two months, something like that. Two, two and a half months. Uh, before Ben came to visit, that's that's about right. Could have been three, could have been, but but not a lot, not a you know, not a ton of time for a basically a one a one man show almost at this point, right? I mean, well, it is a one man show. Yeah, I had an assistant <laughs> engineer uh, helping me uh, with some of the editing. I think uh, I don't know what Tom did. He's credited on the album, I think. Yeah, it was it was pretty much a one man show, and all the radio productions were once once everything came back to the studio, that was very much a one man show. You know, I would go in every morning, and I had other job other jobs at that point too. But I would go in every morning and turn everything on, and that I would spend my day in that world. You know, loading up these reels of sound effects. This is the same with Raiders. You know. Uh, loading up those reels of sound effects and music and the dialogue that we had. And uh, those were really good years for me. I loved that work. (laughs) (laughs) You know, now I edit audio all the time, but it's not, you know, it's somehow not as thrilling (laughs) what I'm working on. You haven't found some nice girl to settle down with. Raise eight or nine kids like your friend Sala. Who says I haven't? Ha <laughs> I do. Dad had you figured a long time ago. He said you were a bum. Always being generous. The most gifted bum he ever trained. You know, he loved you like a son. Took a lot for you to alienate him. Not much, just you. <laughs> Something I've always wondered because Indiana Jones and Star Wars both have their roots in the old the old adventure serials, and Indy much more blatantly, kind of. And I always thought that Indiana Jones radio dramas, even original stories or adaptations of the films, would just be a no brainer. Did was that idea ever thrown around that you remember? I don't remember. No, I don't remember. But remember, I wasn't ever at, I was only at Lucasfilm to, you know, to copy uh, source material. Uh, 
And so I wasn't a, I really wasn't a part of the discussion of where, where it came from, but I think you're absolutely right. It, it comes from that world of radio serials, doesn't it? Um, that was before any of our time, including mine, but, uh, luckily, but (laughs) not by much, I must add, but, uh, but yeah, I don't remember, I don't remember that being a part of the discussion, but I think, you know, that's the tenor, that's the feel of it, even though it's not episodic, it doesn't, you know, it's not, you know, tune in tomorrow, you know, when Indiana, uh, whatever, uh, it's not it's not episodic, but it is it has that production sensibility in some way that it lives in that world of storytelling of audio storytelling, which definitely in the old days would have had a narrator for a production like this. I think that was the major breakthrough of all of it was that uh, and really kind of crazy in the case of Raiders because you didn't have dialogue to replace and explain what was going on. I mean, you can't you can you kind of need to know the world of that film to listen to the audio production and enjoy it. I think because you'd, you'd be left, you know, completely left out for long portions of it. Yeah. That's the thing with that record. I think that's so, it is really crazy, but I think that's kind of in hindsight, what makes it special that it is almost like they made this just for people who had seen the film without even really worrying if you hadn't. Cause yeah, if you hadn't seen the film, it's a really crazy thing to listen to. Right. You know, I don't know. Do you remember? I, I, I just remember the booklet, but I don't remember, you know, listening to the audio with the booklet, you know, on my lap. So I don't know how much that helps. Presumably it helps a lot. If you, if you don't know anything about the world, at least if you read the book, the booklet, um, you know, you know something. I'm glad they did that. But it, I don't know. That might have been more Sally. Uh I don't know. I, I just saw Ben as the as the driving force behind it. And I think he probably was. Ben had said Ben was the one, you know, he already had a you know an Academy Award as sound designer for Star Wars. So Ben uh I think was the was the prime motivator of, yeah, let's try this. And it, and Ben wanted to do it and it, as I said, the production was not expensive uh at all. Uh, it was kind of loose change at that point, but I think Ben deserves a lot of the credit for the success of it. Most of the credit, probably. Yeah, I just remember I was a little kid, and I can clearly remember, like we said, I mean, there was VHS around, but the, well, actually, if I remember, yeah, the, the first movie when my parents got a VHS player, the first movie we got on video cassette, we like owned was Rear of the Lost Ark. <laughs> so, but before before that, I do I remember I had uh, a record player, like a little little kid portable record player, in in my room, and I would listen to that record over and over and over again because I just couldn't stop thinking about Rear of the Lost Ark. Not much has changed, <laughs> but and I and I can re- like I remember those photos vividly and uh so if that was the goal for some little kid in michigan then (laughs) you nailed it that's good it's interesting i've got two kids uh one is uh in college and one is uh a 28 year old school teacher in milwaukee and i don't i've never pushed my work on them and i realized when i was getting ready to do this neither of them i think have heard any of this (laughs) I still have a couple box sets of CDs. Of course, there were never any CDs for Raiders, um, but there were box sets of, of the three Star Wars films. 
So I'm, I got to, I got to give those to them. <laughs> well, so there was a temple of doom album made. Were you ever asked to do that? Or at that point, were you kind of in a different direction and it, it never came across? I was in a different direction. I don't even know. I've never heard it. Uh, what do you guys know about it? Did it have a narrator? Yeah, it has narration. It's not, it's, it, you know, it's, it's more basic. It's not as interesting and fascinating as yours. I uh, never heard it. Um, wasn't asked to be a part of it. But, you know, I'm interested that online radio drama seems to have a bit of a rebirth. I don't pay attention to it very much because I got my own things to do. But um, I'm excited about that. It, the the form still lives. I don't know in what quality, but the form still lives. Well, and I've heard more and more people even talking about uh, the Star Wars radio dramas. I feel like in the past few years, I feel like mm-hmm. with more and more people listening to podcasts and people having time on their hands, especially lately, a, a lot of people, have, Star Wars fans, have been discovering it. And that's like what we said. Like it, it just it doesn't even it sounds like it could have been recorded a couple months ago. It's just it's timeless. Yeah. So you were saying the from what you know the record didn't sell too well, but what was what was the reaction after the the Raiders record came out? Well, I don't I should caution that I don't know how well it sold. I always assumed that it you know was <laughs> it wasn't a bestseller. Uh but I don't know that for a fact. I never saw sales numbers or anything like that. I don't normally pay attention to stuff like that. Um, but the reaction was, well, it won a Grammy award or I won a Grammy award for it. No big deal. No big, no big deal. deal. Yeah. That was a fun night of my life going to the Grammy award ceremony. And, uh, it was given, uh, pre the television broadcast, but that was fun. That was a fun, hugely fun night for me. John Denver was the host. And I remember talking to him a little bit at the party afterwards and dancing with my wife to Count Basie was in the ballroom and his band. How cool is that? Wow. <laughs> Standing right at the high end of the piano, you know, swinging along with Count Basie. I mean, pinch me. That was so cool. But, yeah, I mean, the reaction, I guess that reaction was good. And I, I don't know where that came from. I assume that the Lucasfilm stable of people all voted for it. You know what I mean? Um, which some of the obscure Grammy awards are like, like some of the best classical albums for, re- for years and years and years, Robert Shaw was the music director of the Atlanta symphony and they won, a, you know, Grammy awards constantly, but because I think either they paid for members of his chorus to be of the academy or whatever but it was you know it it was almost laughable that they always won the grammy award but that was because you know they didn't have that many votes but nobody else was voting (laughs) you know best classroom recordings so uh i think the grammy i mean i don't i love that i that that i got it but um i think it was somewhat um Sally Gordon and others who did a campaign to make sure everyone was voting for it. I think it's much deserved. And 40 years later, I know from us, we say congratulations again to you. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. So you mentioned uh, towards the beginning of the show uh, from the top. And if you, if you don't mind, maybe let listeners know kind of a little bit more about that. And if, you know, where, where they can 
tune into that and hear hear some more of what you're up to nowadays. Well, I've gone on to do lots of things. I started Help Start, a a weekly food program, which is on public radio, called The Splendid Table. Uh, I've done a lot of other projects, but uh, I'm now pretty much exclusively doing this show called From the Top, which uh, used to be, in the pre-pandemic, used to be uh, recorded in front of a live audience featuring really young, the best young classical musicians in the country. Um, so we're talking teenagers, sometimes down to eight-year-olds, but mostly teenagers, mostly 13 to 17 or 18. And uh, it's been great fun to do, uh, given my radio drama penchant. Uh, in the early years, we, did, we actually did sketches based on, we had a, we had a, a, a young woman who is, just, she's a doctor now, Haley Goldbach was our kind of roving reporter. She toured with the show and our announcer was a very, was a very good actor. And so we would do, you know, sketches, taking a kid's story and exaggerating it, making it humorous. And I loved that part of it, but I don't think the radio stations like, you know, cause it's on classical music radio stations over time, that kind of wore down. That was a little, you know, a little beyond the pale, but we do field pieces for it, and um, it still is a lot of fun to work on. Unfortunately, now I don't get to meet the kids because they're all recorded at a distance, and I get I get the recordings of their music that that either they have gone to a local good studio with a good piano, or they have uh, gone to a, a concert hall and had themselves recorded by you know the best classical music recording person in their area. Or they recorded themselves in their home, and we send them a whole package of equipment, uh, and and you know sort of guide them through the process of recording themselves. So now it's you know it's all done a distance, and the pieces come to me. So that's you know I really miss traveling all the time and meeting the kids and and doing a live show, but uh, that's not in the cards right now, and probably isn't for a while. So so we're doing this distance thing, but it still is great fun for me and it's really good work and it's a weekly show and uh i'm proud of it and uh that's kind of what i'm doing now i mean i do some other editing for other people uh and some other production and some other uh but mostly the what i'm not doing anymore which i really liked i was the primary script writer for from the top we don't do that anymore there is a script there's an you know interlocutory script for the host of the show but there's not the same uh, need for scripts that there used to be. So I kind of miss that. I miss that and I miss the travel and I miss meeting the kids. But other than that, I'm still enjoying it. So that's kind of what I do. Wonderful. I love it. Like, like I said, I've been a fan of this this record for just about 40 years. And when the, the thought came up of um, talking to you, it was like that. I, just amazing. And yeah, I, we can't thank you enough for spending time. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you found me. So, so are we. <laughs> this is great. Wow. It's like, what's cooler than the Rares of the Lost Ark on record? hearing about the creation of the Rares of Lost Ark on record. It's the only way to top the record itself, is 
the record of how you made the record. And yeah, I finally know things that I always wanted to know. I'm complete. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you, but as soon as he, as soon as he started mentioning Ben Burt, like he, very early on and talking about like, yeah, and Ben Burt showed me the, the toilet bowl lid that he moved for the sound of the top of the art coming off. It was like, oh, oh, okay, here we go. So, No, this was one of the most fun things I think we've ever done on this show. And we are so grateful that Tom was able to spend so much time going over the stuff we really love to hear. Escape from the forces of evil? Can he survive 13 fiendish situations? Will Indy make it all the way? Find out in Atari's Raiders of the Lost Ark adventure game. It's diabolically difficult. It's mysterious. It's never the same twice. And it's only from Atari. Listening to this, you know the drill. Apple Podcast reviews, they help people find the show. Like if people look up, hey, what's a Star Wars podcast I could listen to that also sometimes talks about Indiana Jones movies on record? If you write a little review about Blast Points and say something nice, it'll it'll come up and it just makes us feel good reading them. And yeah, we're going to read one of yours on the show if you do write one. And make sure you check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com, where you can use the handy search feature to find back episodes. And make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, you better be in the Blast Points Super Chill group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we've got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where just a few weeks ago we had a commentary for the rares for the Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you need more indie action, and we got what commentaries for Temple of Doom and Crystal Skull on there too. Not to mention all the bonus episodes about Mando and Clone Wars and everything else that we all love. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on there, and we got a lot of good stuff coming for you the rest of the year for indie year it's only gonna get better yeah more guests more topics more indie madness <laughs> so yeah really looking forward to it uh yeah the, the feedback from the first episode was wonderful we were kind of nervous we were like uh, 
Are people going to like this? We like this. But, if it's, but yeah, so thank you everyone so much. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to diving more into everything Indiana Jones. But yeah, that about wraps up number 255 here. Tom Vagley, thank you again. And, you know, we got to give a shout out too to Amy Rikau, who hooked us up with uh, talking to Tom. So thank you, Amy. Yeah, thank you, Amy. Thank you, Tom. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We will talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Marion's the least of your worries right now, believe me. What do you mean? Well, I mean that for nearly 3,000 years, man has been searching for the lost ark. Not something to be taken lightly. No one knows its secrets. It's like nothing you've ever gone out before. Henry Jones, Jr.